Hello and welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Welcome to our episode on the feature films of the Blade Runner franchise, because there are many, many, many pieces of media, so <laughs> we'll, we're limiting it to the feature films. Peter, how'd you feel about them? Uh, <laughs> uh, both I, of them, really? I was unimpressed. By both. By both, less so 2049, but definitely both. Okay. And I think the primary reason is I've spent literally, in the case of the first one, my entire life hearing about how great Blade Runner is. This is very true. I thought it would be and, more fun to watch, frankly. I mean, yeah, I I was I, I saw it was a kind of a like a film noir kind of style and I was like, all right, I, you know, I adapted my expectations to, for it to be that and, you know, not so fun, but like compelling. Maybe it wasn't that either though. It was neither of those things. Mm, I wouldn't say it was not compelling. Okay. I found it a little compelling. (laughs) I think it's probably also, (laughs) it's like, it is done a disservice by its legacy because, like you said, obviously, everyone's always like, oh my god, Blade Runner. Like, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page, and it said that it was, in 1993, preserved in the Library of Congress. Um, it's, like, that iconic. But also, I think that it was also a really formative uh, film for the genre of science fiction. And okay, science fiction, okay. themes like replicants and, like, what makes humans humans and so on and so forth. I don't think they originated with Blade Runner, but that might have kind of popularized it. And there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of things since then that have played on those themes, including things that we have read and talked about on this podcast. So to us, it doesn't feel particularly novel. And I don't think that the movie itself was either of our cups of tea, just like from an aesthetic standpoint. Like, I'm not a big fan of the film noir genre. I found it very, like, grim and kind of hard to stay engaged in. Yeah, there's enough of that in the real world for me. <laughs> right, maybe it was a bad time to watch it. World's yeah, the depressing world enough and stressful enough. I don't need a stressful <laughs> movie also about how much worse it's going to get. Yeah. Oh, boy, buckle up, kids. It'll get worse. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, what if it took place in, like, 2017 or something? Oh, uh, yeah, in the past, for sure. Yeah. That was in the in, past. In our past. So in, I guess it our... could be worse. Things yeah. could be worse. But I like 2049 a fair bit. I don't know that I either of them is a movie I'd be, like, psyched to watch again. But, like, if some if I was flipping through the channels and 2049 was on, I'd probably watch it for a while. That's that's a fair comparison. I think my taste of 2049 might be skewed by the fact that I watched it the day after I watched, 20, like, the original. Mm-hmm. So I had ne- very many negative feelings about the style of Blade Runner. Yeah. I also didn't think it made a whole lot of sense. From like, I, think I think that rewatching it probably would have been helpful. It's I don't even think I missed stuff. I think they tried to capture <laughs> the kind of steady and then like kind of accidental climax of the first one. Right? Like it's, oh, it's wait, a you lot think of twenty forty nine didn't make sense, or you thought the original didn't make sense? I think twenty forty nine didn't make a lot of sense. Not from like a like I got the plot. I just don't think there was much of a plot there. <laughs> like I think I they try to take the style that. of the 
of the original. You know, the kind of tempo, a, a series of scenes, you know, in this guy's life. And Decker's, yeah. like, going about solving this case. Or trying to find them, or whatever. Right. Um, it's like a series of, you know, short scenes from that. And then eventually it culminates in that really weird scene in the apartment building? Whatever you that mean was. Where, in J.F. Sebastian's house? In J.F. Sebastian's house, yeah. Uh... One of the more unsettling scenes I've watched in recent memory. Which particular weird scene are you referring to? <laughs> well, anything that happened in J.F. Sebastian's house, first off. Yeah. Uh, but secondly, when the, the replicant, uh, Roy, started howling and chasing him. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I don't know if it was... <laughs> like, I I didn't want to just parrot whatever um, people who actually study and think about this film say, so I haven't like done any research into it. But I'm wondering if it was sort of a, um, like, oh, you think I'm an animal, so I'm going to act like an animal type of a thing? Like, is that what he was doing? I mean, maybe. This is one of those things where I'm like, I'm either totally wrong or I'm saying something super obvious to everyone else. (laughs) Like, I feel like I was missing something with this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't quite get there, which is why I probably should have rewatched it. And as it turns out, I kind of had time to rewatch it, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when every day we're like, no, we're totally going to record today, and then we don't. Uh, it's hard to well, play. Yesterday we can blame on our brother. I don't think it makes it any better. Well, I mean, sure, but he tried to he peer pressured us into playing a video game. <laughs> this is like really uh, good content for our audience. Just being like, listen, we could have recorded. We could have been one less day late, but instead. <laughs> We had family time, okay? It's important. We, we did a family COVID time. Life. And it's important that you all remember that Age of Empires 2 is a game that exists and is available on Steam. And you respect it, damn it. It could bring you a great deal of joy. <laughs> it's all the more important, in fact, during COVID time. Yeah, exactly. If, you, if you're looking for a way to connect with far distant relatives, that's the way. I, and like, yeah, that game, find whatever other game that you played as a kid with your siblings. Great. Mm. I really think it. Uh, this is just kind of an aside. Are you trying to go into Age of Empires two pod? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, this is a the significant shift. No, uh, I have been. <laughs> I've been looking at numbers for like older games, like their statistics on like play counts for that week and such. Uh huh. They all shoot. It's up. been skyrocketing. It's basically like the reverse of the economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inversely proportional to the economy is the more people get fired, games. the more people are playing Age of Empires two. <laughs> I mean, that's not a terrible example. That's not a terrible uh, comparison. It's probably a little true. Just, like, <laughs> correlatively, not causatively. But maybe causatively, <laughs> a little bit. Is that the word? Maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'm having a moment. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Strong start. Right, so, so, back to the... Uh, <laughs> Topic at end. Back to the, the movies. So I do want to read... Uh, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, though. That's been something I've been kind of re- mean to read for a while. And I, I know, it's it totally been on my to-read list. And it's vaguely about this, although apparently not a lot like this. I, mean, I think it's about as as accurate an adaptation as, like, iRobot. So took some core concepts, maybe a couple character names, and then made up his whole own thing. They're like, you know the rules of robotics? We'll take that. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah, basically. The rules of robotics was Decker, and 
And that's where the similarities end from my understanding. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, this is my confessional. Um, so in my brain, <laughs> so did you find yourself wondering why the title Blade Runner? Uh, yes. Agreed. Okay. So in my brain, I was certain that I had read somewhere online that Blade Runners were called Blade Runners because they had like blade legs. <laughs> like, it's not as stupid <laughs> as it sounds. Like, um, like, uh, cheetah legs for, uh, amputees. That's what I was picturing. That's sort of a thing. Um, and I was really sure. And literally the entire movie, I was waiting for Decker to, like, <laughs> like tear off his pants and reveal his blade legs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, then the action's going to get really good. <laughs> and as, as, like, we're in this final scene with him and Roy, I'm like, I don't think he has blade legs. <laughs> Because I remember thinking, like, in the past, why is that movie called Blade Runner? And looking it up, <laughs> and it being like, because of the blade legs. And <laughs> like, I could picture that on Wikipedia, and it just wasn't true at all. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm so sure. I'm thinking so of that, that lady That from was like, the biggest letdown, honestly. <laughs> I think of that woman from Kingsman, the first one. Oh, with like the wild knives for legs. Yes, exactly. That would have yeah, been even better. That's what I'm imagining. Much better fight scene if that had been the case. I know. We really okay, got so- wrecked. Every time Roy outran him, I was like, "Why don't you just use your blades to Harrison Ford?" Like, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> you let these replicants show you, and it made sense in my brain because I was like, "Okay, replicants are physically superior. So if you're gonna hunt replicants, you need some adaptations or some augmentations. So like, it makes sense that you would have." fancy blade legs and that's why it's such a big deal to be a blade runner because you're not just a regular cop you've been augmented it made sense in my brain and it makes sense now so (laughs) there okay so here is my my let's talk about blade runners so it does seem like so there's one scene in there's a couple scenes in the the first Blade Runner, which really heavily indicate that the Blade Runners then were also replicants. Really? So like, there's a there's a scene where Harrison Ford or Decker is having like this moment where he's feeling very introspective and thinking about. I think it was just after he killed the first, uh, the first replicant. The Sherpa one. Yeah, Zora, and, and I think some, her name was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's sitting there and talking about how he, like, how he's like, we aren't supposed to have emotion, and like when we develop, like it was like when we when we have emotion, that's when we know it's time to stop. Hmm. And there's another scene where he says like we, um, in in the case of replicants, like include it seemed to include replicants in that. Interesting. Which was super weird. And and we know K is a replicant, right? And I don't, I don't. Know, it, it, I got a lot of or like, um, you don't know. No, the scene in, in the first one was like getting us to kill our own or something. Oh, really? But like, it's what we're told uh, to do. I must have totally missed that. It, it was like very much like not 
highlighted at all, which made me think I kind of missed it. But like, I even talked to Maria about it, and she's like, "Yeah, that's the question. Like, are they, are they replicants? That's like a big thing of it." What? <laughs> where, where is a, a Blade Runner buff? Uh, she got made to watch it in high school or something, or college, like for freshman year of college for a sociology uh, class. Man, I clearly took the wrong classes in college. I know, right? Could have watched Blade Runner. And they, then they would have taught me what to think about it. <laughs> wouldn't have to try to come up with it. <laughs> we would have to be thinking right now critically with my brain. That's not why we started this podcast. <laughs> Clearly not. Obviously. I know, shocking everyone, the, the, <laughs> the revelation that we, we did not start this podcast to share novel insights into <laughs> sci-fi with everyone. <laughs> okay, so like, there, there's that whole thing. There's, there's a couple scenes where Decker kind of seems to indicate he's also a replicant. Okay, wait, hang on. Before you do right on that road, though, question, which version of the movie did you watch? I forgot to bring that up at the start. I don't know. I watched the one on Amazon Prime. I don't know which one that is. I watched the final cut. Oh. Which was the Ridley Scott one. So it's possible that the scene you're talking about wasn't even in the version I watched. How interesting. Yes. I don't know. I don't know either. But that's, go on. Well, it's a, fun, it's a fun time for us, I guess. Neither of us know. It's just a real grab bag of film content. I'll try to look it up while you talk about uh, Decker. <laughs> uh, so, like, on one hand, there was def- there were scenes that, like, for me were like, oh, he's a Blade Runner. And the fact that they're the Blade... Or he's a... Okay, he's a replicant? The Blade Runners in the second one are replicants. I feel like they wouldn't have offload... That's not the kind of job that you start having replicants do after all this shit goes down. Like, you have them do all the really, really shitty manual labor jobs. And, like... And while Blade Runner... Being a Blade Runner probably sucks, because you get the shit beat out of you by replicants all the time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, like... I mean, it's law enforcement, right? Like, you think law enforcement jobs should be, like... If they're not literal robots, they should probably be done by humans. Like, you know, leave the trash collecting and the protein farming to the replicants. Yeah, so that makes sense. So, like... It seems like they wouldn't have started making Blade Runner's replicants if they weren't always replicants. I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I, I, I could go either way on it. I wasn't watching the film from that perspective. But on the other hand, he does spend like a lot of the film looking at photos and trying to, like... I don't know, just... Look, looked at all these photos. Were they from his family and his childhood? Because that's what I thought for a while. But then apparently one of them at least was involved in the actual case. I thought they were just... I thought he found them on one of the... On the first uh, replicant. Okay, so maybe I completely misunderstood that. Man, apparently <laughs> this is very possible. Apparently there's a lot of little things I missed in this movie. So this is going to be a fun ride. Oh, you might have... Well, I might also have missed them. <laughs> oh, anyway, um... But I will say, though, this for sure, Decker's, like, not connected to anybody. He doesn't have, like, anybody in the film who is really a friend or a family member or anything that would, like, indicate that he has a social life at all. <laughs> Any well, social connections. Point. He pretty much he chats with the dude at, like, the food stand. And that's kind of it. So I, it, that, to me, kind of, like, supports what you're saying. Maybe he really is, I mean, maybe he is a replicant. Like, if he doesn't have a life outside of the job, which he's not even doing anymore. 
But it, I, I wonder what the context of his, like, creation would be then. Because Rachel's supposed to be an experiment. Like, she's this new type of replicant that has these implanted memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not a limited lifespan? Was that made clear? No, she does not have a limited lifespan. Okay, that's what I thought. So, she has, like, a normal lifespan, and she has implanted memories. Um... But she's, like, supposedly a new thing. Although I guess he might have just told that to Decker if Decker was a replicant. I don't know. I I don't think that it's particularly clear either way. It's probably meant to be ambiguous, right? Right, Decker had the long lifespan, and he wasn't necessarily a special replicant. So that does seem to blow a hole in that theory. By the way, I didn't watch the final cut. I watched the original 1982 version. Oh, Okay. Interesting. Supposedly that one was happier. A little bit. <laughs> How did that one end for you? How did it end? Uh, Decker and Rachel were driving off north. Or flying north. There you go. So, travel so, so the way my version ended, it was much more ambiguous. They like were leaving his apartment and he's like, Rachel, go. And she like ran to the elevator and then he was following her and then he found a little origami thing on the ground. An origami unicorn. And then he, like, looks around and then turns to join her, and then it goes to black. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a pretty cool ending. Okay, yeah. So I saw that scene, and then it, like, went to light again and was, like, driving down the road to the north. <laughs> That's so weird. Talking about how, like, what's his name? I forget the guy's name. But the weirdo with the paper things. Um, Groff, maybe? I think it might have been Grosh. Or Gosh. Ga- Gash? Uh, hold on. Ganesh? I still have it up somewhere. Ganesh. Don't <laughs> stop guessing. <laughs> gaff. It's gaff. Gaff. It's gaff. Uh, so he. Anyway, talking about gaff. So yeah, uh, Deck was talking about gaff in my ending. He's like, yeah. So he must have been there. And then he thought he uh, he figured, you know, eventually she would she would die before too long anyway because of replicant lifespans. But you know, we knew something he didn't about her not lifespan. lifespan. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so here's the question. Okay. Is the non-limited lifespan that Rachel enjoyed, was it the result of some sort of, like, experimentation? Like, is the replicate limited lifespan an inherent nature of the process or artificially put there to keep them from being too human-like, having too long of a life? It was by design to, like, because they were more powerful than humans, they had to put some sort of limiter on them. So, like, I'm... So, we've got Tyrell, right? Tyrell? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we've got Tyrell in the second... In 349. Who is all about how we need more replicants. You know, no, he's not Tyrell. He's another dude. Tyrell? No, some dude buys a Tyrell Corporation. What's his name? I'll look it up. No, 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 hold on. I'm pretty sure... Oh, wait, you're right. No, Tyrell's the first one. It's, uh... Yeah, Tyrell's the first one. Hold on, I've got it open. What's his name? Wallace. <laughs> Wallace, okay. It wasn't highlighted. Oh, no, it was. Never mind, I'm just an idiot. Um, <laughs> who knew? So, Wallace I is did. like, we need unlim- like unlimited freaking replicants. Right. It seems like one of the first things he would have done was expand the lifespan of a replicant. So, I guess the question is about, like, god complexes, because 
I'm not sure that it's made clear whether replicants have normal lifespans or not in 2049. I think it's implied that they do. They still have short lives or they have full lives? It seems like they have short lives still. That's a bummer. Um, just because I liked Kay. <laughs> he was so likable. <laughs> he was so vulnerable, you know? Um, sure. But... Oh, no, hold on. What? That one... That one replicant, Fraser. She seemed like older. Which one is Fraser? Is that the twenty forty nine girl? Yeah, she she was like the leader of the little twenty forty nine like rebel group. Oh, her. Yeah, you're right. She did seem older. So I'm maybe they do it at the very least longer lifespan. It's not maybe not infinite, but longer. Yeah, maybe. No, no, no. Okay, hold up. The guy in the beginning was like decades old. Remember, he had been farming for, like, 30 years or something. So they did address it. Oh, yeah. We're just, Which oh. is weird, because he was an older model. But I guess there... So it was the Nexus 6 in the original, and then it was, like, Nexus 8 was the last one before everything went to shit, the whole blackout situation. Uh, yes. Right. Um, so he must have been, like, one of the later versions before the blackout. Well, if Rachel was experimental for, like, a next generation... And they gave her the right. limited lifespan. She must have been the testing model for the Nexus 7 or 8. I'm curious if those generations would have had um, implants. Because they talk about it in 2049 as like a stabilizing force. Like, I don't know if the idea is to make them invested in humanity and like preserving, preserving the human way of life because they have fond memories of human lives, lives, even though they don't live them. That seemed like more of a Wallace innovation. Yeah, that really it does seem, seem like that. Because it was illegal in the original movie, wasn't it? Mm. Or no, they talk about like recording and like sharing memories as being illegal. Yeah, manipulating like real memories is illegal. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. That's in 2049 Fa- they talk about Fabricating that. memories is not illegal. Right. So Interesting. And, I mean, and they had the ability clearly in the first one. Tyrell does anyway. Tyrell at least does have the ability to implant memories. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Uh, well, didn't he find pictures at the first at the dude's house in the beginning of twenty forty nine? Isn't that where he found those pictures? Yeah, he did. So that guy must have had some sort of fake memory of a family, or like a child. Uh, no, wasn't the wasn't the picture of Rachel holding the baby? Oh, is that what that was? I couldn't really tell. I think so. Hmm, that would make a lot of sense, huh? Next to the tree. Although, no, that doesn't make any sense, though, because Rachel died in childbirth. No, I was wondering about this. I was like, who is that woman holding the baby because Rachel died in childbirth? Uh, Fraser? I mean, Fraser? It it might have been Fraser. It seems like they found, like, a whole little replicant community, and, like, I don't know, that's where the plan was hatched. Uh, I don't know, maybe... It's also not super clear when Rachel became pregnant, whether it was, like, shortly after the events of the movie or, um, way later. Mm, that's a good point. I don't really know. You're right. Exactly. Anyway, I feel like Rachel, Rachel, I feel, was probably the most compelling character for me of the first one. I was going to say tragic. She's so sad. Yeah, she's so sad. And, like, what? Is it supposed to be liberating her relationship with Decker? Because that was one rapey scene. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was so uncomfortable. 
It was so bad. I'm like, is this supposed to be romantic? I don't understand. Yeah, and I, I don't... Okay, so here's my one theory about, like, how they might have intended to make it not rapey. Mm. Is maybe it was some sort of, like, she's like, oh, I can't have a, you know, relationship or whatever because I'm just a replicant. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, no, face it. And then she's like, okay, yes, you're right. Like, that's the yeah. only thing. But, like, regardless, it comes off as super rapey. It comes off as very... Well, especially because, like, he kisses her, she runs away, and he looks so angry, and he closes the door and blocks her from leaving. Yeah. It's, like, It is terrible. so bad. Right. Oh, my and then, God. Okay, so if my theory that Decker is not a replicant is is true, or if my, if my theory that rep- Decker is not a replicant, or is a replicant, is false. There we go. I got it in the end. <laughs> so if Decker is not a replicant... Yeah, then it's, like, a very much a power trip scene over, kind of like Oh a, my uh, god, yeah. Like, hey, you're like, my slave. You're yeah, replicant. you're just a replicant slave. Come here. Right. Or if he is a replicant, it's sort of like a liberation thing, like, allow yourself to feel these human things and give in to it. Or it's a liberation thing And him thing acting as, like, a grounding force. Like, do you want me? Like, I want you. Okay, then let's do this thing, you know? Yeah, like, I... There, there's a way to contextualize it such that it's not super rapey. But it comes yeah. off as super rapey. And that's the problem. Yeah. If you have to and look like, for the not rapiness in it too much. Right. You shouldn't need to find the not rapiness. Yeah, it should be obviously not rapey. Yeah. And unless that scene is supposed to be like a, oh, this is obviously wrong and Decker gets shot or something scene. Like, no, it's a, this happens, and then they live happily ever after until she dies in childbirth. Right. And, she's, right. and then she says, like, she loves him, too. But what I thought was interesting about the way they scripted it, and which made it seem very much like a subservience thing, is, like, he fed her her lines. He's like, tell me to touch you, and, like, you want me? And she, like, repeated it after him every time. And then even the next day, he's like, do you love me? She's like, I love you. Do you trust me? I trust you. Like, she never said an independent thing towards Decker. Yeah, it was deeply unsettling. It was creepy, and I didn't like it. And, yeah, the only way it's, like, even remotely, <laughs> remotely like, positive is if he also is a replicant, so it's, like, coming from a place of, I know how hard it is to, like, trust yourself and, like, give into those emotions, and, like, I'm helping, like, I'm coaching you, basically. But yeah. no. And also she literally was like, her life was in his hands. So everything about it was wrong. Yeah. No, terrible, deep I thought feeling. it was kind of weird that 2049 seems built on the premise that that was a happy romantic relationship. Yeah, especially considering when 2049 came out. Like, it was... Right! Like, okay, there's, a, there's an element of, alright, it was 1982, different time, let's move past this with modern sensibilities. Right, we had different ideas of what was, like, sexy and, like, romantic. Yeah, and, and nice and appealing in any way. Right. And now... In, but know, 2049, they're like, yes, and they had a baby. What a beautiful family. <laughs> and they, they sacrificed so much for this baby so she could have a chance. And all, like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can a rapist love his child? Probably. <laughs> I yeah, probably. So. Yes. I mean, I, don't, I guess Rachel wasn't alive, so she couldn't tell her side of the story. That's but, true. This is true. Damn, Decker. Yes. Very, it was very much a bummer. And, like, what, that's supposed to be the positive ending for Rachel? That's supposed to be her escape? Nah. Not yeah, a fan. Again, we don't know about Decker's relationship with her. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was all nice after that. Or maybe that was nice for her. I don't know. 
Maybe, yeah, maybe piecing out was the best thing that ever happened to her. I mean, piecing out was the best thing that ever happened to her. Probably. I mean, yeah. she was, like, fine with Tyrell. But, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, Here's my question, though. <laughs> it's, like, the real thing on which this whole thing tumbles. Why do replicants have to look so much like humans that, like, even when you shoot them, you can't tell the difference of whether they're human or not? Right. The only way you can tell the difference is some sort of wild, like, litmus test. Like the For emotional response, you can even, like, I hope you can at least check your work afterwards if literally Blade Runners, like, can just shoot you. Right. Yeah. It's, it is ridiculous. In the street. Yeah, and, like, not, like, oh, it's a replicant, I'm just retiring them. Everyone's like, all right, cool. Yeah, no, move along, it's just a replicant, you're not traumatized. That's a really cool, uh, that's a cool way to start a regime. Right, it's so creepy. Oh, these are just replicants. I see, yes. Kill, oh my kid! My my childhood friend was a replicant. <laughs> there was that one coming. Oh lord! Yeah, you're right. It's it's an insane system, and they couldn't do anything like tattoo them at birth to have like a little you know thing on their face or something. Nothing. Yeah, dye their hair or something. <laughs> yeah, or like, like they're uh, supposed to be genetically engineered. They're genetically engineered to the point where they can be born adult and then die in four years. I'm sure, sure they could have. Yeah, you're right. Like, giving them a face marking or, like, some sort of distinction to be like, this is a replicant. Yeah, all replicants have, like, hair dyed a certain way. Like, their hair color is, like, some sort of, like, like they're naturally purple hair or something. Right. And, like, if their whole job is to be out on the frontier of space and, like, terraforming planets or whatever the hell, like, you don't need them to look like humans. In fact, they'd probably be better off if you engineered them to not function like humans. Did you stop in Old Man's War? Like, what? Did you stop early? What do you mean, stop? Like, the series. I'm at the series. Oh, I haven't read anything past Old Man's War now. So I've read the entire series. <clears throat> yeah. And there is a point where they interact... I don't think they interact with them at all in Old Man's War. But, like, there are these, like, space-engineered soldiers that, like, are turtles in space, and they're engineered to live in space. Completely They're turtles? Well, they're human, like, minds, consciousnesses. But Uh they, like, look like these turtle beings in space. They can like they they have like their skin is like radar absorbing and also like solar to like get energy and shit and they have like all this really cool stuff, but they're humans like their consciousness get put in these things. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. And they can like hang can out in space and like plant bombs on shit really easily and shit. Nice. Yeah, it was like dope, and they're sick. And but it's like, okay, well, if you why total, why wouldn't you do that? Right, if you have total mastery over genetics as a whole. Why wouldn't you make them as advantageous as possible? It almost reminds me of Brave New World, where I'm like, is there some sort of limitation of how we understood genetic engineering in the 1980s that makes you think that this is, like, (laughs) the pinnacle? (laughs) Because, I don't know. But, like, I don't think it is, because I couldn't tell you how to genetically engineer a turtle person. I, I have no concept of it. We haven't done that, period. So, it's not like... It's not like something we've gotten the technology for now. Right. It's just that we've thought about it and like played with the idea. Yeah, like you know what the bleeding edge of our genetic like ability to modify the genome is like CRISPR. Right. It's exactly. Like the, Which the is the bleeding edge. Absolutely amazing, but will not make turtle people. 
Well, not without it, a greater understanding. It might cure genetic diseases and maybe cancers, but it will not make turtle people yet. I, I mean, yeah, if we had a better idea of the human genome. I mean, we have it mapped. Yeah, sure, but you can have it like, mapped. Like, by the base pair, we don't really understand it, necessarily. No, yeah, right, it's like, we have it mapped, to, it's like you have, you've got the binary for code, but you have no idea what any of the routines actually do. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. I mean, we know some of the routines, but not, not many of them. I mean, right, yeah, I, I imagine we know some, and we know, like, certain markers that indicate certain things. I mean, it's how we knew, do, like, genetic testing, and pre, like, prenatal genetic testing. Right, yeah, and, like, exactly, we know what causes Huntington's disease and hemophilia and, like, all sorts of genetic disorders, um, but we don't know what causes autism, you know? I don't know what causes ability to survive in vacuum. <laughs> what is that gene? Which which single gene is that, I wonder? Which, which one gene says that? <laughs> The the point being, though, yeah, we have a very, very fundamental understanding of how the human genome works and all that. But, like, we, uh... But we we can very easily imagine a a, a sci-fi universe where, like, they develop these technology and they understand how the human genome works and they can transfer consciousness from one form to another. Right. And I don't think... I mean, we're definitely farther ahead than we were... 40 years ago, I'm not going to say we're not, but, like, as far as the limits of what could be considered realistically possible someday in the distant future, I don't think we're that much farther ahead. Right. Right. I mean, they knew that... I mean, they could conceptualize tools to edit the human genome, and we have now discovered those tools. We don't have the mastery over them, they showed, in that, uh, in that, like, we don't have the mastery over them that the Tyrell Corporation would need to have. But we have them, and we're working on them and developing them. So, I mean, we're really not that far off, I think, understanding-wise. So, like, why? Why Why humans? It, it's sort of like, um, I mean, I think that it just doesn't matter. Like, that wasn't necessary to the story. I mean, the story, it was necessary to the story that they do be so much like humans. That's a good point. Because, yeah. I mean, what what would the movie even be about them? What would be the point of it? <laughs> Hunt down a bunch of people that have horns. I mean, it's it's easier to conceptualize whether or not a human-looking being who you know is not human is human. <laughs> In one of the more confusing sentences I've said on this podcast. But do you know what I'm saying? It's really hard to dehumanize somebody who looks like a person in every other way. So it's Other almost like just the way they behave and the way they emotionally respond to things. Which, by the way, what would have happened to people with, like, mental disorders in this universe who have different emotional responses to things? They're replicants. They all just get... They're replicants! <laughs> no, seriously, though. It's... It's a question I think of, like... It sounds like they were almost trying to parody their own shit, like... Don't don't look at these like Ewoks. Look and see their humanity. Look at these things that are almost exactly human, and see their humanity. Yeah. And it's like it's it's like the movie's trying to make it painfully obvious to the point where the viewer has no difficulty making the mental mental jump. But part of me is wondering if that eliminates the whole point of this movie existing. <laughs> 
Right. Like, if, if this is a movie about accepting something that's other, right? So humans accepting replicants as being capable, as being human-like and human equals. I mean, like essentially as having a soul, like... Right. Case says it in 2049, yeah. that there's this idea that if you were born of a woman, then you have a soul, and otherwise you do not. Right. Or at least that's what he thinks about it. But <laughs> I feel like he's articulating something that people just seem to know instinctively in this world. Right, and that's part of what makes the replicants not human, is that they're not born. It's So it's like a... It seems like the mental jump is so, so small, it's hardly worth making. <laughs> it's like, why are you having trouble with this? Yeah, it, it's like, all right, well, the, this doesn't make me want to, like, it may as well make me better at accepting as, like, you know, aliens. Like, accepting, you know, other species as human-like. Like, having a soul, being having a self. Yeah. Is one thing. That would, like, have some value. I feel like the... The story of accepting replicants does not have value. I mean, again, we're dipping into, am I saying something stupid or am I saying something that's extremely obvious to the rest of the world, but, like, is it a metaphor for race? Because... Um, yeah, I think certainly. The, the race of replicants <laughs> Yeah, like, is... I mean, on the surface, you know, really, people of different races aren't that different from each other. But, like, you have this inherent, like, conscientiousness or consciousness of the fact that they are different, and so therefore, like, many people will treat them differently. Mm. It's kind of the same thing, except that, oh, now these beings look like you, and yet humans will still find a reason to believe and that they are lesser and fear them. Right, so they look exactly like me, however, they weren't born. And I'm still racist. (laughs) And it's, um... It's some. It's some kind of a thing that like it maybe might have been profound in eighty two, <laughs> but to the vast majority of people, obviously there are some people who could still learn this lesson, right? But to the vast uh, majority of people in twenty twenty, it's pretty obvious that that's not even. It's not even worth talking about. You're like, yeah, obviously, duh. <laughs> Move along. Well, I mean, sure, we know. Well, it's sort of it's sort of like the opposite of the world, right? So, oh, the opposite of what? Sorry, of the world today. Okay. So, in Blade Runner, they this this sort of journey that the main characters go on, say that Decker goes on, is the journey from, and he seems like he's already on it when the film starts. The journey from replicants are other, they are enemies. I need to like take them out. And and they're different and they're wrong. They're unnatural. But knowing sort of in his core, like having this gut feeling that like, no, it kind of seems like they're people. Whereas in the real world (laughs) today, humans will say, you know, of course, of course I'm not racist. I I believe that everyone's equal, et cetera, et cetera. But like there is this implicit bias, which leads to a lot of ugliness and also just lack of understanding in a lot of ways where you sort of refuse to see the complexity of other people and their experiences. And you have like your little biases that, you know, you're not burning a cross in anyone's yard, but it does affect the way you treat people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you mean. So I don't know. It's interesting that it would be like the flip. 
which maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's why it doesn't, like, feel profound to me. But I also have this feeling that I'm just missing something. Yeah, that Maybe does... it's just because it's such a, like, a beloved and lauded film. You're looking for a reason why. Yeah, I'm like, what, what a... And maybe it's because, again, of the impact it had in the 80s and, like, the, the way it formed sci-fi that followed, sci-fi that you and I have consumed. Um, maybe that's just why it feels... Like, it falls a little flat to me. I'm not sitting here like, oh, whoa, I never thought about that before. Like, I am with a lot of the stuff we do, read and watch and everything. Yeah, we've we've gone through a lot of stuff that has very interesting and unique takes on topics. Right. And I don't think this... I think you're right, at the time, this almost certainly had a, a major impact on kind of a pop culture science fiction. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, after all the stuff we've consumed, that's probably why we're not going, oh, wow, what a brilliant, you know, uh, insightful idea. It's because we're, we're, we've consumed all of the media that built on top of... That it influenced. <laughs> yeah, but we've, that right. it's built on top of the cornerstone of Blade Runner. Right. We're these um, damn youths who don't know <laughs> our uh, <laughs> heritage <laughs> history here. Right, um, Exactly. Well, you know what? I will say this, though. I can definitely see it fitting in the role of showing the public that sci-fi can be profound. Because up until then, it had kind of been like Star Wars, Star Trek. And I think Star Trek had its profound moments. Again, shamefully, never really consumed much of it. Um, but I think that mostly people thought of sci-fi as being like kind of fluffy and flashy and action-y and not... I mean, the same way that a lot of people think about sci-fi now, but I think that generally today it is more, more people realize that sci-fi is a great medium in which to explore the bigger questions that are happening in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's why we created this podcast in the first place, right? Like, we enjoy Mm -hmm. discussing the parts of science fiction that make you think. Well, we're not necessarily great at it. We love discussing... (laughs) You know, the, the higher reasoning of some of these things and the interesting takes in the worlds they build. <laughs> well, you're definitely not experts. Oh, certainly not. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Nor even more insightful than average. <laughs> I would argue less so. <laughs> but we do. We like to talk about it because, because there is so much to talk about. In... And we're narcissists. <laughs> yes, obviously. But in a way that I, don't, I think is less so in other media. Right, yes, of course. And it, of course, it exists in all media. There's always examples of it. Absolutely. But I think uh, by its very nature, science fiction is imagining what is possible or what could be. And that kind of bill is a very excellent playground for philosophical questions. Right. If you and imagine like, a world... Of... Go what? on, sorry. No, no, you. Well, so if, you if you imagine a world... a world in which, like, humans can be printed off, basically, and used as slaves, what kind of questions would that bring up about, like, the human... the status of human beings and what makes someone human or not human? And that's just, like, a... It's a so it's a cool kind of space to play in. Right. 
Um, I was going to say, too, I think that what sci-fi likes to look at a lot of the time is what is constant about human beings. Mm. You know, yes. what are what is it about humanity right now that really isn't going to change? The context around it will change and the way that it impacts our lives will change. But it is a a thing about us that will not change. And sometimes that's really optimistic. Like, oh, humans have grit. They're curious. They're explorers, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's shitty things. Like, <laughs> humans are terrified of outsiders and fiercely protective to a fault of the in-group and being a part of something. So, like, the idea of community can be a really powerful tool for good um, and, and really help us look after one another, but it can also be a... a avenue towards exclusion and hatefulness and cruelty and a million other terrible human qualities. Yeah, and I feel like one of the things that defines a sci-fi series in any given series of any given media type Mm -hmm. is what human attribute they most hold on to. Like, wh- whether it's our like, in- innate need to go and explore what th- what is other. You know, go out into right. the world. Like, sail the rivers, strike off into space, go far beyond what is wise or perhaps appropriate. <laughs> and find what's out there. Right. And potentially, you know, kill what's out there and just yeah. be afraid <laughs> of what's out there. subjugate it. <laughs> yeah, and then go to war with it and kill them all if we can pull it off disenfranchise it of its natural inheritance. Right. I mean, then that's... Yeah. So, like, that's part of the... Um, <laughs> like, I feel like the, th- the human quality that is most personified in Old Man's War by, like, humanity as a whole is, like, blind arrogance. Mm. And hatred of other, right? Right. And that's just, like, that is the... what identifies that whole universe and you, know, you can go through everything if we wanted to and figure out which ones are are the ones that you know which trait is it but like it's just a it's a it's a good point you make about like taking one human quality or a, a handful and making them enduring and then putting them in a new setting i mean they are enduring that's the thing it's for better and for worse <laughs> there's some things about humanity that's really great and some things that are really terrible but none of them have gone anywhere for a while, and then none of them probably will go anywhere. I mean, but it's an interesting way to frame frame books you read and movies you watch. Like, what human quality are they like centering the story around? Because I think a lot of the times there is an answer for that question. That's interesting. I've never thought to go into media with that mindset. Neither have I. Well, good news. You've come up with this great idea. <laughs> well, now we have a new uh, new way to approach things. Or you've come with a, something that's painfully obvious to everyone but us. <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> like half the things I say on here. <laughs> or f- maybe three quarters. It's unclear. <laughs> oh, I haven't run the stats yet. So, I'm going to talk a little bit more about 2049. Um, okay. I kind of liked the trajectory that was implied between the two films. So um, it seemed obvious that the replicants were getting more advanced and with greater advancement, greater clarity and greater anger about their state. Um, So it makes a lot of sense that 
down the river from uh, the original Blade Runner was some sort of all-out war and um, sort of rebooted the whole whole replicant-human relationship in the hands of... What did you say his name was? Marshall? Uh, Wallace. Wallace, yeah. I don't know where I got Marshall. But anyway, um, that dude had... A big god complex. It was, I mean, again, speaking of obvious things, but oh my god. He even looked like Jesus, hairdo-wise. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's true. But, like, the way he, he talks about himself is, like, almost the father of, of these people. And, like, that scene where he um he's like, oh, okay, cool, let's see the new replicant. And just, like stares at her and touches her for a couple minutes like while monologuing and then stabs her in the uterus basically and walks away as she bleeds out on the floor like he he is like so obsessed with the replicants but they're still so disposable to him and the blind arrogance of what had happened with replicants and him coming in and being like Yes, I'm going to, like, make them even more powerful and give them the power to reproduce and blah, 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 blah. But, like, they're still totally disposable and totally under my control. And they're, like, great slaves, you know what I mean? Like, literally talks about the legacy of slavery and how the replicants, I guess, solve that. Um, or are the next phase of that. It, it's, it's very disturbing to watch. It, I feel like he... I feel like he just refer sees the replicants as a group. Yeah, and, that makes a lot of sense. And he, he sees them as like numbers on a page, right? And, and it's it kind of accounts for his complete lack of care of one individual replicant. Well, that's why he was interesting. The um, thing with love, like, why did he need love? I mean, I think it's useful, right? He has one, you know, right hand woman who is. Utterly loyal, he's you know, slave to him because he's a replicant. Right. I I'm mean, assuming there's some, the some I- level of mental conditioning involved in being a replicant. Well, the idea is that they're all slaves, and that's why replicants are allowed to be again, is that they're totally and completely subjugated. Yes. I mean, it's like a. Well, like, as opposed to having a regular human, you know, servant. In, like, Wallace is a powerful man, he needs to make sure he the people around him are 100% on his side. So he but why does he feel the need to throw that phone? Like, do you think he realizes the limits of his own conditioning? I mean, he must, strike right? Because then on the other hand, we have um, Kay, who disobeys human orders only once he believes that he is something other than, like, a pure replicant. But, in fact, turns out to be a pure replicant. So, like, clearly he had the capability to disobey human orders. It had kind of just never occurred to him before. That's true. So, I mean, do you think maybe he he is, like, kind to love because he realizes that the conditioning will only take you so far? Is it that, or is it a level of he has... He's perci- like he has spent so much time with love that he now sees her as more than a replicant. That's a good question. She I don't has know. a sense of individuality to him. Like he sees her as an individual. But also, we have no evidence that he actually cares for love anymore. 
Like, she just stands there and does his bidding. It's not like he, like, does anything to show any affection towards her. He just has... No, I don't think he cares for her. But he does... Yeah, you're right. I mean, he does seem to, like, think of her as more than just one of the replicants. Because I think that you hit the nail on the head that he doesn't see replicants as, as individuals. It's not a matter of, like, humans or not. It's, like, they are the replicants. Like, a flock of birds. One is the same as any other. Sorry, bird watchers. A flock of birds is an excellent, uh, an excellent uh, reference, or what's the word I'm looking for? Analogy? Analogy, thank you. You're welcome. Or metaphor, maybe? Right, Um, if you look at a flock of birds, you don't see one, you see the flock. As they're, like, circling or whatever. And then if one bird walks away, you're still gonna, like, think of it as part of the flock of birds, and not as, oh look, a bird. Right, exactly. So, I don't know, it's interesting. I, I had trouble tracking love's motivation, although now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, maybe it's literally just that she doesn't... I mean, maybe she takes that same that same uh, approach, like, doesn't really care about the life of the child uh, so long as replicants as a whole are given the ability, like, are, are, are given the future of being able to reproduce. No, I don't she think very she cares about by that. that, right? It seems so. I got that early on, but it seems so much more that she is doing it out of a sense of severe loyalty to Wallace. Do you think so? Like her last, one of her last things is she says, like she's like, "I knew it. I'm better than you." When she's like, thinks she's being gay. Like, Interesting. It seems, like she because spends, she sort of was elevated by her boss. Right. She is seen as to her to some level. A human who is great and powerful sees her as the um, uh, sees her as like the, the the prime replicant, the best replicant, and that's why she's at his side. And I think there's like a, a great sense of loyalty. I mean, we've seen replicants can develop emotions, so maybe she is actually in love with Wallace, something, or just great sense of loyalty. I don't think so, though. She seemed disgusted when he killed that replicant. Furious. Hmm. And that is what I got from the expression on her face. I got... sadness at the state of replicants. Like, I think she truly believes in Wallace's goals of being able to have replicants reproduce on their own. But is it for the greater good of humanity and for Wallace's personal glory, or is it because she wants her race to thrive? I think it's for Wallace's personal glory. Huh. Interesting. Because who who else is she trying to prove herself to? Replicants? I don't think she's trying to prove herself to replicants, but, like, it, it seemed like she cares about replicants. I mean, I That's think interesting. She... I'd say really interesting that you and I got totally different motivations for her. Yeah, that was good. I feel like... That's probably she... a sign of how good the movie was, honestly. Damn it. <laughs> that it can be that ambiguous. I I, I think she's doing it out of sense of Wallace. I think she believes in his goals and his mission. And she... Because she doesn't have any reason to like be trying to prove herself to the like, replicants, or replicants as a whole. But to her... She's it one seems, of them. It seems very important to her that she is the best. And hmm. that's obviously a relative term. So who is she the best to? And I think it's Wallace. You make a good 
point about that final line. Maybe that's sort of where they're, they're trying to be like, nah, it's really just that. She's, <laughs> she's elitist. That's kind of the whole thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is she, I could see both way, both reasons for her to be devoted to that goal of finding out how the child was born. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly see the sense of, like, the greater good of, you know, replicants, but she might but also see... not what you did see. She might see the greater goal of replicants, the greater good of replicants as being plentiful. Hmm. I don't know. That is, that is interesting. I wonder if it would be more clear on rewatch. That one I'll probably rewatch. 24 Night I, I really liked. <laughs> that was pretty good. Were you um, surprised? Uh, so I, as I'm watching the movie, I felt like a sort of sense of disappointment. I was like, ugh, it's so convenient that Kay is the child. Like, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, or really, it makes too much sense. Like, it's not any dramatic um, payoff. <laughs> then it is revealed that in fact he is not and I was like oh oh no Kay <laughs> yeah that really was traumatizing for him I know it's so sad and honestly Ryan Gosling does such a good job acting that role I you know it's funny I had an impression I had a fairly negative impression of the acting ability of Ryan Gosling <laughs> it's probably because of the notebook I don't think so. I've never watched it, so that'd be really hard for it to be that. No, but I mean, just just like that, the cultural um, like obsession with it, and so maybe you think of him as being like a, you know, a romantic lead type of thing, which, you know, can be played very well, but doesn't necessarily require chops. Right. Often just requires a six pack. <laughs> right. And, it, and maybe that's what you thought of him as, as just a six pack. Maybe I actually fun... always really liked Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Crazy Stupid Love is one of my favorite movies. And if you haven't watched it, you should. I say that to you, Peter. I say that to everyone listening. <laughs> I've not watched it, so I may. I may well. Male, female. I feel like it gets the uh, that treatment of like, oh, it's it's a, it's a rom com, but it's not. It's a great movie, and also rom coms can be great movies too. Anyway, back <laughs> <laughs> to sci fi. Ed Ryan Gosling. But yeah, so you you also were impressed by his performance. Uh yeah, I thought it was very good. What I really it was liked so moving. about that whole thing was Frey's going like yeah listen we all have been there it seems like we all wanted to be the child but no see there's partially that but it seems more personal than that like they all really genuinely thought they were the child i mean not freya probably um, well, not she's too old, but sure. I see what you're saying. Like all the young people, probably like as they figured out that that had happened, were like, "Could it be me?" Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's part of the breadcrumbs left behind by the doctor. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, was that a matter of design, or did it just sort of happen because of the nature of the thing? Because they think of themselves as like having on these implants. They have childhoods in their mind. I mean, but I don't know if somebody's childhood involved parents, cause it's not clear what anyone else's implanted memories are. So Kay's implanted memories are of being in an orphanage and like poverty and loneliness and all of that. So it could have worked. I mean, obviously it did work cause it was literally the memories of the child. But, um, if somebody else's memories is like, Oh yeah, I had a great childhood, blah, blah, blah then it, it it wouldn't really track. 
Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is is there at least a significant population of replicants who Dr. Staline has implanted her own memories in to, I don't know, act as... That's true, yeah. Like, I mean... Maybe some of them. It sounds like she's a pretty big deal in the replicant memory design. She's got, like, sweet kicks. So she probably makes a ton of money. Totally sweet kicks. (laughs) Or at least is Um, extremely valuable to people with money. No, it's true. And I, I would guess that she sells memories as like a lot, right? So <laughs> here I've created this memory. Here's like 8,000 copies go implanted in assorted replicants. Oh, that's a good point. So probably, yeah. There's not a lot of value more closely. to Wallace in having replicants with unique memories. Right. What's the point? I mean, the replicants probably aren't even unique, you know, genetically or, or visually. No, I imagine they're not. Hmm. Sort of, I mean, maybe the Brave New World thing is coloring it again, but I sort of picture that. Like, you know, like several dozen of this version and several dozen of that version. And Yeah, you don't necessarily say it in the same place, but like you've got this one genetic layout working. Right, exactly. that for a little while. Yeah. And, and they talk here, about... And playing this memory and, and those, those um, you know, in like a random drawing of replicants. Right, and, like, you know, they talk about the various, like, le- versions of replicants, like Nexus 1 through 9, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems like it would be, like, ridiculous if the, the version differences were only, like, actual processes of cultivation. It seems more likely that they are some sort of gen- new genetic template. Maybe they're not all identical, but, like, some new way they found to optimize something, or, like, some, you know, random, or they made them have longer lifespans, whatever. But, like, right. some sort of common genetic theme and then with normal human variation in between. Yeah, that probably makes sense. That works for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm comfortable with that theory. <laughs> but, okay. Kay's life is so sad. <laughs> it's just, like, the the amount of, like, small... Small, no pun intended, joys that he tries to find... That, like, you know, keep him going, but don't necessarily, like, make up for the fact that he can't have, like, a full life. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I found it really sad the first time we saw, like, the Joy billboard. Because I thought that, like, yes, obviously she was an AI and a hologram person. But I thought that at least she was a unique AI and hologram person. The fact that she is, like, of a, like... Basic design that is advertised like Coca Cola. It just felt so sad. It seems insane that they wouldn't at least have like face, like face, you know, randomization. Like the Sims technology, technology we have right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, makes me want to play the Sims like out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyone, so anytime someone mentions the Sims, I'm all of a sudden like, oh fuck, I could play some Sims. But then I play The Sims for a little bit, and I'm like, this isn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So what do I do now? <laughs> Very to go play Age of Empires. <laughs> I'm going to go play Age of Empires, too. <laughs> Basically. Anyway, yeah, I didn't think about the different... Like, It was obviously sad that he had a virtual wife, girlfriend, whatever. Um, yeah. That was obviously super sad and depressing. But, like, it was so much worse that it was, like... A mass-produced, no-differences thing. Yeah. 
All sorts of perverts have this. <laughs> I mean, I am certain that there are, you know, very like variations and like better models or whatever that have more diversity, whatever, whatever. Um, I guess there was the one with the pink hair. I'm wondering if he bought had to buy the base model because he gets paid so little. Oh no! Because he does get paid, <laughs> which is interesting. I wonder how many jobs a replicant can have where they get paid. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like, why do they pay them? <laughs> if they are totally submissive. And again, it comes back to that thing like, yeah, they're totally obedient. But maybe you want to keep them on your good side. Right, the ones that are training to kill other replicants. Yeah, you really you want to incentivize that. So I wonder if that's the one job that they pay for. I don't know. I mean, you'd think if anything... But I don't know. The guy he kills in the beginning, he almost seemed like he was living his own independent life. Like, yeah, I'm a replicant, whatever, but, like, here's my farm, and, you know, I'm producing stuff. Okay, Although I guess was he, he, he was in hiding, wasn't he? He, yeah. he was pretending to be a human. Yeah, that's why he was retired. Yeah, he did get retired. Um, true enough. So it's... Yeah, I don't know. It, I didn't actually think about that till now, of how crazy it is that Kate gets paid. Yeah, really. Unless they like pay, like they pay for the apartment, and his bonus that they mentioned in the beginning of it was that little like device that lets Joy come with him. But I don't think that's the case. I mean, maybe it's just to incentivize them to do a good job. It's like, yeah, they'll do the job, but if you really want them to be like invested and working hard, then like you gotta motivate them a little extra. Yeah, and so I wonder if that's money or if it's a fake girlfriend. I think it's money. Though. Yeah. I think it's money. I got the impression he bought that on the way home because he's like, I got you a present. Yeah, I got, I had also had that impression. But but he was also eating like a grub food when there is in fact real food in the world. I found that weird too. I mean, he just had like a bowl of grubs. Did he? I forgot. I didn't notice that. Yeah, when Joy made him like the 1950s meal, it was like projected over his grub bowl. I think it's a matter of the fact that humanity is very quickly going towards a, it really we should be eating bugs instead of meat. Well, that's why I liked in the beginning. He's like, yeah, it's a protein farm. Yeah. I mean, because, like, that's one of my favorite things that it's in a, a long way to a small hungry planet. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like the giant cockroach All farms. All about those bugs. I don't want to yeah. eat them. I hope this happens after I die, but humanity really should be moving towards that instead of beef. <laughs> we should probably start normalizing it so that in a couple generations no one will be upset about it. Yeah. This is in no way I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> right. right let's be clear this is not me going like oh eating beef is murder or something no they just produce a lot of methane that's so really terrible methane. for the environment <laughs> it's mostly that it is kind of murder just really slow murder it's slow murder of everyone of of all of humanity <laughs> cockroaches ironically will be fine <laughs> oh man but yeah, no, the, just the just the fact that Joy was like the base model was really sad to me, and like that more than anything calls into question like she says that she loves him and she seems sincere about it, but the the billboards are like oh she'll like be and say and do whatever you want, and so I mean obviously Kay wants to be loved, so is she a sophisticated programmer? Does she actually have feelings? I mean now we're getting- like you. You could argue that by sacrificing herself, by, by putting herself fully in the emanator, that was like an act of love. But if her purpose is to 
be what Kay needs and Kay needs to feel loved, then, you know, like that's part of her programming. I mean, now we're on to the Chinese room question, right? The what? The Chinese room. The Chinese room? I don't think I know this. Uh, the Turing test? Oh, I know the Turing test. The Chinese room was this, um, it was a, the, it's this idea, I don't know if it's actually a thing or if it's just a, a thought exercise, but essentially it's the it's a question of like, if you made this room that was kind of complex enough to do things when you did things to it, is it like alive, right? Like when does it become just not a, just a program Right, so if you have this room that's like, basically it's a metaphor for like a computer program that's so intelligent that it can mimic intelligence, or so comprehensive so it can mimic actual real sentience. Um, like I said, I don't know if this is like a real thing that some random emperor had commissioned because they had total power and weird ideas, or what. <laughs> Uh, but it is a, it's a, at least a thing that's co- no, commonly into that. associated with the Turing test. But yeah, I mean, really, you have not much way of knowing. I feel like we haven't really come up with the Turing test. Like, I, every once in a while I'd Google into this and I'm like, well, here are some ideas for a Turing test, but like. Well, I mean, the Turing test was a test, right? It's just that I, I by my understanding, computers today can pass it. Uh, I believe you're correct. But I th- I believe so we need we need to we need to you know ratchet things up a little bit. I mean, it's certainly a classification of tests. Like, yes, it's it, a concept it used as a. Any future iterations will still be called the Turing test. Right. Um, so I mean, it's it's a question of when does the line of sentience get crossed, and I think it's the moment when you have a sense of self. Right. But like, but if but if your programming makes you display a sense of self to make you a more valuable product, do you actually have a sense of self? Like, how could I ever believe that a product whose job is to make me feel happy and loved, it, it, saying, "Oh no, I'm a person," like, you know. No, but it's, like, oh, I I love you, CC. Oh, but you're not a person. No, I'm definitely a person. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, she has to make Kay believe that she is real. I don't think that uh, we can use external dialogue as a sense of self. I think when... Right, exactly. The moment that it's internal, the moment that it's I inside, then we have made the leap. But we have, she has no way of communicating that she has an internal life other than by dialogue. Like, I, I agree with you. Just saying, no, I'm, I'm a person, I have a soul, I love you, doesn't make them a person who has a soul and loves you. Right, so it's but, the internal dialogue that we need to, we need to find. Right, like, how do we translate the interior world through like a third avenue. I mean, that's so a that great question. Corrupted. And that's not a thing we have an answer for. We're just two assholes. No. I don't know. It's just piled on the tragedy of poor K. It is a a very traumatic thing. I'm sorry to bring it back to 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 Old Man's War. You should really read more of them. There's an. Alien... Have you? Just, did you just finish one of the books? Like, no, no. Very, it was like a few months. You're ago. very on your mind tonight. Uh. No, I've, I've actually restarted a different series. 
uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the there's a alien race in that book series that don't have a sense of self. They don't have an okay. ego. And interesting. That it opens very interesting avenues. Like cows, but more successful? No, they're like intelligent, they're a powerful player in the local politics. But they're not like a hive mind either, they just don't have sense of self. Correct. I'm curious what that means. They don't have an but ego. I, they don't I have guess I'll just have to keep reading uh They don't have names. Reading Hellman's War. But yeah. I feel like it's usually like a hive mind thing. But they're not a hive mind because they don't share a consciousness. It's so weird. You have to share the con- you have to share that consciousness. It's Man, I love sci-fi. You know, it's one consciousness over many bodies as a hive mind. Yeah, I understand that. But no. But they have individual consciousness, but no sense of self. How is that even possible? I mean, it's like they they don't have a consciousness. They are sentient. Read the books. It's very good. It's well done. <laughs> It's super well what done. What you're saying is contradictory. But, yeah, I, I believe that Scalzi can pull it off, though. I've got faith. Yeah, the, the approach they take is, it's not contradictory, but it is upsetting. <laughs> it feels contradictory, because it's so kind of a human understanding of life. Well, that's pretty racist of you. Specious. It's uh, specious of you. I guess it's pretty specious of me. I wouldn't say racist. That's fair. I, I often erroneously use race and species uh, to... <laughs> Often, huh? I mean, yeah, well, it's just like, I, racist is like the, <laughs> like, that's the thing that you actually use. No one says specious. So, like, yeah. that's what, just what jumps <laughs> on my mouth first. Is so what, like, you're racist against dogs? Right. That would be specious, Cece, but no one says that. That's never stopped you before. That's <laughs> like... fair. Uh... <laughs> What do you think Kay does at the end of the bo- movie? Dies. Does he die? Is that what we're supposed to understand I don't think happens? He fucking dies. I didn't get that from the movie. I thought it like I got like ah, uh, finally I can rest. My mission's over. But not I fucking yeah. die. But no, I'm looking at the plot here. And it's just that he lays down and dies. How does he the die? The previous line is he fights love and manages to drown her, but he is mortally wounded. Oh, damn. And then it goes on to say, as Kay lies motionless on the steps, looking up at the snowing sky. Like, lies motionless. He does not seem like he's dying. Yeah, it super doesn't seem like he dies. And Decker doesn't seem like he dies either. I guess he does get pretty fucked up in the fight. Which I gotta like, say. I remember, does she stab him or something? Like, something yeah, that happens. Yeah, I think she stabs him. No, reinforces... But she's, he's, like, standing there totally steady, like, okay, go meet your daughter. Not in, like, a rush or anything. Now, like, boy, I've gotta lie down. Kay dies? According to uh, uh, Wikipedia plot summaries, K dies. Interesting. And you know what? Well, I guess that's not surprising necessarily, or it shouldn't be, because it it very it was very open ended. I'm like, huh? Now what? Now what for K? That's because super... they're supposed to be coming after him. <laughs> that super seals the deal. That Decker sucks. Decker? Because <laughs> Decker's like, alright, thanks, buddy. And walks in while Kay fucking dies behind him. <laughs> Does Decker know that Kay was murdered? There's wounded? no way Decker doesn't know Kay got the shit beat out of him. And is like, da-da-da-da-da, I'm totally... I wonder if it's like a replicant thing. He's like, you know, dealing with really shitty things, but his like body is stronger and more resistant to shit, so... Maybe. Maybe he's just like less vulnerable to human like weakness. 
Yeah, it was like he's more able to lock down on you know pain and shit. But it really I does maybe seem he, like... I mean, he didn't seem to feel any fear about it. He was serene. Yes. He was kind of like, I guess I've done a good thing with my life and Joy's dead anyway. I'd have to buy a new Joy and how would that feel? Why I didn't think he died. <laughs> he was so at peace. And I was like, he's like, oh, my mission is over. Well oh, done. Oh, that's nice. He's found closure with his life. Oh, never mind. He found closure with his death. Which I guess is also nice, but not as nice as living. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's it's the big closure. I don't know. As they say. But it's not what I expected to have happened. But I just read this line here, and it says, Hey, life's motion. We're so so freaking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my my God. Maybe this will be what finally prompts people to write in with opinions. They'll be like, you're so wrong about these <laughs> That's true. Let's pick the, some of the most popular things. <laughs> and be like, I don't get it. What's the fuck? <laughs> What's the fucking point? <laughs> this is the new scheme. Uh, we'll right. definitely go viral. It's just the bad viral. I'll, I'll remember to cut this part out so they don't hear our evil plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, good, good. No, you won't. Don't lie to us. <laughs> I never. I do cut stuff out occasionally, just not often. Mm. We'll see. If you want cut see stuff cut out, you can farted. edit your own podcast. Nah, Is that what you want? to do that? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, okay. Oh, man. <sighs> what was I going to talk about? I had a thing. Uh, shit. Was it like a jokey joke thing, or was it like a big thing? No, it was kind of a big thing. It was kind of a big thing from 2049. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, how'd you like the police chief? I liked her. The who? The police chief lady. She was cool. Oh, the lieutenant? She's like kind of, kind of a dick. She was like casual, casual, specious. I'm not sure she you know was. What, what specious or cool? Yeah, specious. I think she was just a dick. Yeah, you're probably right. There's I think she was, she was an equal opportunity dick. She seemed to care about Kay. She just... Like, also was totally fine with him being a slave to her will. <laughs> I mean, she tried to come on to Kay and then took his rejection as, like, and then stopped when he didn't consent. Oh, wow, what a thing. What a notion. Yeah, what a wild idea. <laughs> but I, you know, I feel like that indicates some level of seeing replicants as not just slaves. Yeah. So, I, that's what reinforces my idea that she's just a dick. Okay, that's fair. I like that version better anyway. And she, there was a sense of protecting her people. Like, love came in and was like... I love that. Went after her to try to find out what happened to Kay. And she literally died to protect him. Yeah, Yeah, and she said, absolutely not. I'm not going to tell you shit. And she died. Yep. She also, I mean, again, like, if she saw replicants... This might just be Kay. She might just come to see Kay as more than a replicant. But that shows potential in society as a whole i'm not going to go here and say that she was particularly progressive i'm going to go ahead and bet she was like kind of general and like humans could see replicants as people but only on an individual basis well that's the i have a black friend thing isn't it like i can't be racist there's a person of your race who i like so therefore i can't possibly be treating you badly because of your race damn that's a good point uh man, it makes my my point make me look like an asshole, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, uh, you, you they did not hear hear here first that I'm an asshole. 
<laughs> no, but I, I do get what you're saying. I don't think that necessarily that's what she was doing, but we have no way of knowing that's not what it was. I mean, yeah, and there's there's a sense of protecting, like, she, she was, like, looking out for Kay, which, again, might have been Kay is the one she sees as not just a replicant, but mm-hmm. if she did have it firmly unlocked that he's just a replicant, it's like not telling someone where to find a wrench, right? Like, replicants are tools. True. True. And... Oh, I don't want you to steal my wrench, but I also don't want to fucking die for my wrench. Right. So I'm going to tell you... will just be like, fuck you, I'm not going to tell you where my wrench is, and then she gets all threatened, and you're like, oh my god, fine, it's in the toolbox, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) You big dumb moron? Thought you were supposed to be smart. (laughs) But no, I mean, I won't go out on this limb with you. It is better. The, The I have a black thing, friend thing, is better than... I hate all black people. I won't even give one a chance. That's true. It's just it is not a very tiny. It is a step in the right direction. It is just not big, enough on its own. <laughs> well, I, I am wondering if this indicates a step forward for humanity, right? Because this takes place, you know, thirty years later or so, whatever, an amount later. I think it's like twenty, thirty years, and you know, we are we're looking back on this, and I think I think it's thirty years later. Okay. So it's 30 years later, right? And it, you know, humanity's obviously been through a lot of shit, so, like, we haven't had a whole lot of time for social development. Right. And, you know, at least there's some people who see replicants as human. Or sure. some of them. And so I think it kind of paints a more hopeful for the future. Like, yeah, replicants still have a raw deal, for sure. But we see kind of a hope of some, some humans that see some replicants as more than just tools. After, you know, and before it was no humans seen, no replicants is more than just tools in our sample size of the movie. Right. Are, is a step in the direction for kind of society moving forward into seeing all replicants as not just tools. Hmm. And yeah, I think you're right. our sample can only be a movie size and we should have to kind of assume that's a, a firm slice of the whole universe because that's all you get in movies. That's how movies work. Yeah, I mean, you gotta hope, but also, are humans more willing to be kind to replicants because they know they're not a threat? Because uh... it seems like in the original, there was so much fear that humans were like, yeah, do whatever, I don't care if you literally kill them in the street. Like, please, in fact, kill them in the street, I'd rather that than them secretly being around. Whereas, in 2049, it's like... We are literally using replicants who are 100% on our team to kill replicants who might not be on our team. I mean... Hmm. I think it's a hard question to answer in the context of these movies. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird because it could, again, go either way because I would argue that Kay's life, sad though it is, is at least, like, a little bit... Well, you know, I don't know. Do you think his life is richer than the life of, like, Roy and Pris? Because it seems like they had, you know... Yeah, they had a whole circus freak thing going on, but they they seemed to, to love each other, you know? And, like, they had a familial bond between the two of them and their other cronies. Like, 
there was genuine love between replicants, whereas while Kay's life is more peaceful, um, and he seems he seems like very cocky and cool in like the first scene, um, but as the movie goes on, you see like more and more of his vulnerability and this deep loneliness. Like he doesn't have anybody except for this hologram. And like sometimes his chief, but that's a fraught relationship too. So like he is treated better by humans, not well, but better than the replicants in the original movie were. But is it worth that degree of isolation? That is an excellent question. And... I mean, on one hand, Kay has a certain level of security and... I'm not going to say joy, but a certain sense of stability from... His job is not bad. Relatively speaking. Like, he has a job, he gets paid to do it. And yeah, he gets to solve puzzles. He doesn't love solving mysteries, you know? Right. And what he does every day is he kills... Kills members of his race. <laughs> right. But, in, you know, he's been conditioned to see them as not human. Mm. And as, you know, he's retiring them. They use that, you know, non-personal sure. term. Impersonal. That's the word. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's perfect. I mean, he knows that he has feelings. So clearly, it's not a mental leap to go, oh, these others, they also have feelings. But, you know, he is the law, and he is abiding by the law and living his life the best he can. So I think there is a level of not having a whole lot of sympathy for them most of the time. Because they are not, like, he is able to have some level of life following the law, and they should be able to, too. I don't know, though, because I think that their entire existence is illegal, right? Is what? Illegal. No, not in 24-9. Previous models of replicants, my understanding is, like, pre-blackout models are illegal. And it's only the the ones that have have come to be since, uh, uh, what's-his-face, gotten to, took over the Tyrell Corp, that are allowed to exist. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't remember anything like that. But, but there did seem to be it did seem to be implied early on that the first guy um, could have been captured instead of killed, but because he resisted, he was killed. <clears throat> hmm. So it's a little bit vague what happens to replicants who go quietly, because that's what um, Freya said. I think she's like, well, that's why he let you kill him because he knew about the child. Um, so he had information, and I guess didn't want to give it up. So, like, there is an, a, a capture option. Although, apparently... But what happens to them then? Is not assumed okay. that he'd be able to not be... You know, not keep his secrets. So I imagine it involves some level of torture. It does seem to be that, yes. Or, I mean, they have memory control, so perhaps it's just memory extraction? Yeah, that's also true. I imagine memory protection laws do not extend to replicants. Yeah, I can't imagine that they do. But anyway, um, to the question I was asking like 40 minutes ago, how did you feel about the reveal about who the child was? 
Were you satisfied with it? Mm, okay, so I have mixed feelings. At first, I thought it was a wild leap. Hmm. Like, he was like, I know who your child is. And then he brought him to her child. And I was like, right. that's insane. Right. I thought we just, I thought that was just, like, something we were considering. And all of a sudden, it's like, yep, that's definitely the child. For sure, 100%. And it's just like, alright, in hindsight, I should have assumed, like, the one major female character that we didn't circle back to or have some sort of conclusion on is his child. I don't know, though, because she... She didn't necessarily seem like a major character. Like, she was, like, a profound character. You know, she's clearly very thoughtful, and she definitely played an important role. But, like, I... If I had never seen her for the rest of the movie, I would have been like, okay. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't be like, oh my god, what happened to that, like, immunosuppressed scientist woman? Okay, but there are 16 names in this movie. Yeah. And let me see. One, two... Three, four, five of them are women. Which is something. Um, and, like, so, like, Joy, there's Love, there's Joshi, there's Staline, and then there's Fraser. So, like, all of the rest of them had some level of, like, and then the guys I'm looking at are all, like, were buttoned up. And See, you knew what all the other women's deals were, so I guess it, it makes sense. Right, and we knew it was a girl. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, like, it, in, in what I know about movies, it, it doesn't surprise me, like, outside looking in. But, like, being K, that seems like an insane leap. Yeah, how did K know? Right, and in, in hindsight, it's probably her reaction to the... Memory. The memory. But like, I don't know. That could, she's a kind of weird. So like that, I. It's totally also a sad memory. Right. It's a. It's s- like a kid getting his shit kicked in for trying to save his pathetic toy. It's a sad memory. But like shown to a woman who's expert, who's an expert in memories and like crafting memories, right? And just crafted like a beautiful memory of a childhood party, and like. Yeah, okay, her crying could be her remembering this horrible thing that happened to her. Yeah, I mean, think, you'd think you'd have to just really be an empath to do that job, too. Right, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You'd have to really know and understand people and, and be able to relate to them. So, like, it makes Emotionally connect with basically anything. Right, that she would, like, cry to this very sad memory. You know, and now I real now. I think his piece of evidence to that, the only thing I could possibly see in his entire movie that points to her, that he would have found in, in the movie's context, was <laughs> she cried at that childhood memory saying, these are definitely real. But she told him yeah. that someone that does this can tell if memories are fake or not. Like, there's a certain way about them that tells if memories are fake. Right. And she said that. Because, again, before. I didn't think twice about that interaction. I mean, granted, I get surprised by movies a lot. I'm not necessarily great at predicting what's going to happen, but there was, like, nothing fishy about that to me. Right, and, yeah, nothing, and even looking back, I'm like, I guess, but, like, it's a terrible leap. Yeah, there was something else that she said, though, I think, that he, like, flashed back to. Hmm, maybe, I don't remember anything uh, And I, I can't, I can't summon what it was, but, um... There was, like, a little bit more to it, I think. But I agree that it seemed kind of like, oh, okay, you're, you're positive, huh? 
positive enough to take her father and go, this is This your is daughter. definitely your daughter. No question. I mean, no, I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, I think that the memory, the other memory he flushed back to was her being like, yeah, my parents had their off-world tickets in pocket. Right. So I don't really Which understand how that connected for him. <laughs> I guess her parents being gone and her not knowing her parents. Did her parents leave? Is that what's implied? I thought her parents, like, then decided to stay and, like, look after her. No, it seemed, uh, I don't know, but it didn't seem, she said I never get visitors. Which seems like our parents would visit sometimes if they were still there. Otherwise, why stay? That's so shitty. Well, I've got this immunosuppressed eight-year-old child. I'm going to set her in a dome and leave. Because <laughs> there's a better life waiting for me in the stars, baby. We can have colonial kids. That won't be stupid immunosuppressant. Like, that's the implication. <laughs> right. It's so crappy. I mean, it's not what happened. Right. Apparently, but like... But you'd think it'd raise some eyebrows. you think her parents would get doxxed or something. I, mean, I don't know, this is a pretty shitty world they live in. Mm. Don't you think Reddit would have said something when they couldn't find them to dox them? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it does even imply to me, though, that they... At least her cover story is... My parents are gone. My parents set me up in this dome and bounced. Yeah, and peace out. Uh, I sit here alone and make memories because I'm alone. Totally alone. It's so sad. It's really sad. I wonder if she was crying. God. Yeah. Now I'm like, well, the crying's to- way more justified now. Again. What the hell? Decker. Or not Decker. Uh, Kay, was this jump? Do you think they made love look like Rachel as a mislead? Um, I mean, I don't think she looked that much like Rachel. I think she just had dark hair. You know what? In my brain, Rachel had those bangs, but she didn't. <laughs> I thought that. She decidedly didn't. She had like 40s hair, like on the victory rolls. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you might be remembering the time that Rachel actually showed up in this. That was interesting, yeah. No, I think that they had similar faces, like similarly sort of like round faces. That's possible. I'm crap at that. That's fair. Anyway, uh, what else, Peach? We're running long. We're running quite long, so I'm good. There is like a million things we did not discuss, I think, but, you know. That's part of the course. We didn't. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. We'll text each other tomorrow like, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> You'll text me. And that will, that will be it. That's tomorrow I will have forgotten this movie exists. <laughs> As I always do when we go through things. All right. When we do sequels, so, I redo the entire series because I always forget shit. Um, yeah, no, same thing. Same here, fam. So, what is the next uh, topic? The next book is a revisit to the Bobaverse. Oh, snap! There's more? Heaven's River was released relatively recently. Uh, Heaven's River by Desi Taylor. So, Heaven's River uh, came out, uh, I think, like, very recently. <laughs> like, in, like, the last month or two. Uh, September 24th. Okay. So, it's hot off the presses. And Go on. Yeah. Um, it's got not a great rating, rating on Amazon, which I think is incredibly unjustified. <laughs> <laughs> the 
That's not possible. So is it a sequel to the like? Is it another Bob book? It is or is another it just Bob in that universe. Books. Is it right off? It was what? right off the Bob's. So the, is it narrated by Bob's? Yeah, it's enti- It's the same everything, except just more story. Wow. Uh, would I? That's exciting. Kind of the high level is is primarily themed around some drama and fracturing among the Bobs. Ooh. And <laughs> Bob vs. Civil War. Right. It's Bob vs. Civil War. And Bob 1 uh, is going, if you remember Bender, who they never heard back from ever again. Oh, yeah. He left uh, Delta Bavonis. Oh, dude, I don't know. They Delta Bavonis. Whatever Bob met the Deltons. And went off to a, a place and never got heard from again. And that was mentioned a few times before, but there was all, I always kind of took it as like, oh, that's just Bender. But no, it's the hunt for Bender, basically. Hell yeah, that sounds awesome. So, Heaven's River, Bobaverse, book four. It is not available in physical copies yet. Uh, so, audio is the only medium. So, it is available on Audible. Alright, I can't wait. That's awesome. It was quite good. I enjoyed it. I haven't listened to the Bobaverse in a long time, so I will probably... You don't need a lot of context, in. but maybe, like, listen... What I find useful for, like, series, because, like, you were bad enough at best thing on time, I wouldn't say, let's go listen <laughs> We don't necessarily need to read four books between now and, you know, theoretically the beginning of November. And this is so much shit's going to be going down that week, too. Oh, my one. God. This one is a good 16 and a half hours. What? So it's a pretty significant Bob book. Damn, I don't right. know what the other ones are, but like that's not a short length. Yeah, seriously. Uh, no, I think the other ones were like eight hours each. Yeah, so this is a uh, significant size. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so what? What was your recommendation? Oh, listen to book three, and then four. Okay. Heard. Yeah, go crush book three, and then go. Then you'll have some like context for the beginning of book four. I think it's knowing necessary, but like if you want some more like oh jog your memory about stuff. That's how I usually yeah. Do which it. characters what and everything exactly. Cool. So yeah, can't. Wait. I enjoyed it. I think it's three and a half stars on Amazon are incredibly cruel, uh, but to be fair, it only has four. Oh, stars. you've read it already. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> oh damn! I finished it like last right, week. I'll get to work. <laughs> I bought and finished this before I watched the second Blade Runner. Wow! Awesome. It's on the Audible account already. Okay, well, let's wrap up. I really have to use the bathroom, so. Perfect. <laughs> I'm motivated. We're an let's hour do and 40 this thing. Minutes. Peter, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us. If they want to tell us how wrong we are about Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> they can find us at facebook.com forward slash sci fi sidebar. They can find us uh, or uh, forward slash signifying nothing network. Uh, they can find us on. What's our Twitter handle again? I always forget. Is it Sig Nothing Net? Sig Nothing Net. That's it. Uh, they can find us, they can email us at uh, Peter or CC at signifyingnothingnetwork.com. Maybe they can also email sci-fi sidebar at signifyingnothingnetwork.com. These methods all work. Yes, indeed. Uh, if you guys Last enjoyed this episode, please like, review, uh, subscribe, share with your friends, etc., etc. Um, or email us and tell us how wrong we are. Either way. We accept all. We accept all. <laughs> or tell us that you also didn't get Blade Runner. <laughs> that would also be good to hear. I would love to hear that, because I could use some more, like... So that would be a great comfort. <laughs> yeah, a great comfort. Uh, 24 now, though. I really like that one. 
But um, anyway, this has been Sci-Fi Sidebar from the Signifying Nothing Network. A tale told by idiots. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Oh, November 2nd, hopefully. Yay! This <laughs> episode. <laughs> God, we almost forgot to even give a deadline. That would have been appropriate. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Bye.